Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen classes and trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen class library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. If you've ever had yogurt, I'm sure you've heard of Siggy's. But what you may not know about Siggy's is that there's a guy, Siggy himself. Today in the podcast, you're going to meet Siggy and hear about his journey when he started making yogurt out of his kitchen in New York and has expanded his vision to bring you delicious grass-fed, low-sugar yogurt. You're going to hear about Siggy's early days and his vision for healthier yogurt across America. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Jason from Mind Body Green, and we are live from Mind Body Green headquarters for the Mind Body Green podcast. And today we've got an amazing guest. Siggy from Siggy's, like the best yogurt ever, which I eat too much of, but that's a, a different story. Never enough. <laughs> Never enough. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So you have an amazing story, but it is a non-traditional one with, with regards to be, being an entrepreneur here. So you from Iceland. Correct. And you're in Columbia Business School studying to be... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I didn't really know Not what I wanted to do. Not a yogurt entrepreneur. No, no, no. I, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Like, I kind of, I think, you know, like many people who grow up in a, in a small, small sort of country or small, smaller city, uh, wanted to see the sort of the broader world. And, and, and hence, uh, Columbia was a great choice being in New York. And I sort of wanted to see the, you know, the bigger world. So, and doing a, a business degree was sort of a, sort of a safe way of doing that, I guess. So you're studying business, and then you were also, you're working at Deloitte. Yeah, that was after business school. While I was in business school, I was sort of toying with the idea of doing something in the sort of more in the sort of media industry or the entertainment world. But, you know, I, help, I helped a friend produce a short film and sort of like a little bit more sort of wanted to be on the creative side. But it didn't quite pan out. So, you know, when business school was kind of coming to an end, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And really, really the only thing I knew was that I had fallen in love with New York and I, I wanted to stay in New York. Um, so I really took the only avenue that was uh, available to me, which was going into management consulting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been, it was either Wall Street or that. Yeah. Most, most MBAs well, from Columbia do that, right? Yeah. Well, oddly enough, the, 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 the consulting gig was on Wall Street. So I <laughs> argue I did both. But... Uh, but yeah, so it, it was it was it was good. It was good people, but it was not not for me. I was a very poor poor fit. So how long were you there? Uh, a year. So in this, so you're just like realizing this isn't for me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and 
while I was there, that's kind of when I started sort of making the yogurt as a, as a little bit of a hobby. So you're just, so was it out of this need for finding yogurt? Talk about the relationship between the yogurt and Iceland and like how, like, or one day did you wake up and just say like, I don't like any yogurt, I'm making my own? No, I don't think it was just not like, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I, yeah, it wasn't just one morning. It was more, you know, I was a mild foodie. I wasn't really like a hardcore, what you would today call a hardcore foodie that was like go to random corners of the city to find the most esoteric item out there, right? Sure. But I had, you know, grown up a pretty healthy eater back home, right? Yep. My parents are, uh, are, are quite a bit older. My siblings are older. So, you know, they ate very sort of old school Scandinavian, Icelandic food. You and know. what is that? You know, just like a lot of fish and potatoes, yep. like very basic, you know, like usually just plain yogurt on s some granola or cereal for breakfast. You know, my dad has like herring for lunch if you can't be any more stereotypically right. Scandinavian, right? Or Nordic. Uh, and then when I came here, you know, I sort of realized sort of more or less that I was kind of not eating great, you know. Sure. So I went from sort of think being like somewhat healthy to like thinking a lot more about food in general. So that was kind of sort of in the aggregate. Uh, and this is also before like there was any Greek yogurt, which is sort of somewhat similar to skier, which is yeah. the Icelandic yogurt. So I started sort of thinking what I missed and skier was one of them. And, 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 uh, and so that was sort of one thing. I wanted to sort of make my own skier. So I started sort of playing around with that kind of just in my kitchen. You know, I, I read some old articles. I read, you know, um, you know about the history of yogurt in general, not just in Iceland. And uh, what is the history of yogurt? Well, it's actually one of the oldest food products that's sort of man-made. Really? Yeah, it has like you know, depending on there's a lot of sources out there, but you can say it's anywhere between six to nine thousand years old. Wow! Uh, Learn something new every day on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, obviously, like. You know, when when you're going back that many years, sources are sort of somewhat sure. awake. Uh, there weren't a lot of podcasts back then that could sort of date things. But anyway, so I kind of just sort of started learning about that and, and became interested in it. But sort of at the same time, I also realized that you know a lot of the food in general, not just yogurt that I was eating then here, was pretty processed. I you would have like really 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 long ingredient lists of stuff that. I didn't like. I didn't like sort of, I liked food that's sort of pretty subtle and sort of not necessarily sort of hyper flavored, you know, yep. the, the, the word sort of flavor explosion <laughs> for some people is very positive. For me, it's usually sort of like connotes some sort of artificiality in the flavoring of the right. item, right? So I didn't like that. And I also didn't like that a lot of just basic stuff had a lot of sugar in it. And that didn't mean that I didn't get sugar as a kid or there wasn't sugar when I was growing up, but it was always confined to dessert. So you would have like ice cream and there was sugar in ice cream or there would be, you know, uh, candy, but it was candy, you got candy after, after the meal, right? But what I noticed in America was there was a lot of sugar in just simple stuff like, you know, bread, condiments, packaged soups. Soda. And, and then, yes, yeah. well, soda is an obvious one, but so in many ways, soda was kind of like almost more earnest because nobody would expect a soda to be healthy, right? Like no mom or dad will take a can of Coke and hand to their kid, here's a can of Coke, you know, uh, that's a healthy breakfast for you. But they do that <laughs> with yogurt, right? 
but a lot of yogurt had so much sugar, but people sort of, because it had that health halo, people just sort of like looked beyond it and said like, oh, it's healthy, right? Right. Even if it had like 30 grams of sugar, you know? And a lot of the sort of early yogurt offerings, you know, that dated back probably to the 80s or 90s, time before I got here, so, you know, they were sort of, uh, I feel like they were kind of made with the idea that, you know, people want to be eating yogurt Mm -hmm. because it's healthy, but in reality, they want to be eating cake. (laughs) So you would see a lot of the early yogurt flavors were like red velvet cake, key lime pie, chocolate pudding, and they had maybe in a six ounce cup, 30 grams of sugar, 29 grams of sugar, which is kind of crazy. You know, there's 38 grams of sugar in a can of Coke, you know. That's insane. So, and a can of Coke is 12 ounces, you know. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, it was kind of nuts. So, you know, I, when these two things came together, I, you know, like I had some sort of a vision that I, you know, I didn't like sort of the generality of the food and I had a specific item, which was the yogurt. I sort of started making the yogurt and I made it not very sweet. So you're, you're playing around making yogurt and you're, so you're management consulting during the day and at night you're playing around making yogurt in your apartment. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then so, do you think it's good at this point? Do you start to like invite some friends over? Like when do you say like... Well, I had two I, roommates I, at the time, right? Okay. And they, you know, they, they sampled it and were sort of like hesitant to tell me to quit my day job. Right. You know, uh, it didn't really taste great all the time. You know, the first batches were sort of hit and miss, you know. Sometimes it would be too sour or sometimes a little bit lumpy or, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't taste great. And that's sort of... The desire for consistency was what was kind of what took it to the to the next level. And so you're starting to get some early feedback here. You know, you're starting to maybe get a little more consistent. When do you decide, okay, like, is there a business here? Or, or, or do people, should I, should I walk in to, tell me about you walk into Murray's? Well, yeah, that, that was, it's kind of, it's all kind of bundled in because when I, uh, and it was not gradual, it was more like a jump. So I'd been making it for like three or four months at my house, just sort of like pretty much, you know, once a week or okay. every two weeks I was making a batch and it didn't really necessarily always taste great. It was very, very variable. And the more I read about yogurt and the more I learned, you have to realize, I, like I had never, my background was not food science or anything like that. But the more I learned about yogurt was that the, the consistency was all sort of just in the temperature and in the environment, right? right. Because yogurt, it's a, it's a microbiological process. It's not kind of like baking or, you know, I guess like sure. all food processes are microbiological. But, you know, yogurt was very sensitive to temperature. The cultures yeah. are active at a certain point. And I kind of just realized that if I wanted consistent results all the time, I had to make it, you know, in a real dairy plant. You know, I didn't really just buy a yogurt maker. I just, you know, because I went from making it in a pot on a stove to making it in a real dairy plant. and and. I called up and, and through Cornell, I actually got introduced to a tiny college called Morrisville College up okay. in, in the upstate New York area, tiny town. I, I don't think that they had a hotel open when I was there even. Um, and they had a dairy plant where they were teaching college kids to work in the dairy industry. And when school was not in session or during exams and stuff, they rented out the plant to like cheese makers and you know, people who wanted to test out their crazy ideas like, sure. like myself. And I rented the plant for like a nominal fee for a couple of days uh, around Easter 2005. And I think so how I, long are you in at this point? How long have you been making yogurt? 
I started, uh, this is like probably four or five months in. Okay, so four or five months in. Yeah, because I made my first batch at Christmas 2004. So I make my first sort of what you want to call real, real batch, professional batch of yogurt. And before that, I had read a lot about sort of like professional yogurt making as opposed to sort of just the sort of lure or the sort of, or the sort of uh, romance of yogurt making. I read like dairy science books and, and nerdish stuff and created my first process graph and everything. And, and sort of like, that's kind of around the time that I started thinking, you know, is this something I could make a business or like, you know, I was thinking about a lot. I was thinking about going back to grad school at the time as well. I, I just knew I wasn't a fit for the corporate world. So, um, so you make the yogurt. So you're up at the plant and you walk away with like yeah, product. So, yeah. So the difference was that I hadn't really foreseen at the, at that first, when I went up there, I really just wanted to see if I could actually make it. I wanted to see if I could make it taste great, right? But what I didn't factor in is that instead of like coming out with like, you know, five cups or 10 cups, which I had when I was doing it at home, I came out with like 300 or something cups. Like a pallet? Yeah, like a, like, no, not like a pallet. Pallet is a lot bigger. But, you know, there was like a lot of yogurt. Sure. More than I could just eat and give out to my friends. I don't know. You're a big dude. I, I'm a big you're, dude and I eat a lot of protein. How tall are you? 6'4"? 6'6". 6'6". Yeah. You're not short either. No, I got an inch on you. Oh, snap. Fuck. <laughs> oh, you're going to bleep that, right? <laughs> no, it's fine. This, this isn't the Today Show. Anything goes. You can say whatever you want here. Uh, uh, so anyway, so um, I, uh, I wound up with a lot of yogurt. and uh, So what do you do with it? Well, so that's, that's like, the thing. <laughs> I, gave, I gave it around to a bunch of friends and, and, and sort of two of them were, were, were sort of instrumental. One... Uh, one was a former professor of mine at Columbia. I had basically been his TA, so I knew him, and he had been sort of um, kind to me and giving me sort of like advice because I'd gone to him and said like, "Hey, you know, I don't know, like this consulting thing is not for me." And and, and I brought him some of the yogurt, and he basically said like, "You know, this is pretty good." He had been to Iceland, so he, he had product, and he said, "You know, you know, if you start this as a business, I'll be your first investor oh wow yeah okay. uh, no he, he had made some money early in his career selling a couple of businesses so he was like a you know not only a professor he had some entrepreneurial background what was it what's his name michael michael van bima okay uh so he 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 was my basically my became my later became my first sort of business partner right sure. and first investor uh and he uh said basically you know if you quit your day job and you start making this full time i'll be your first investor and i'll give you advice and help that's you out. a nice vote of confidence yeah that was great and then the second one is i, I had a friend who actually worked at murray's cheese okay uh you know the, the famous li- institution on who just sold yes yes to yes. kroger right yeah um so i gave it to a friend who worked there and uh, more sort of like, hey, what do you think? Is this, you know, is this good yogurt? Is this yep. sort of something that's like, you know, you're in the industry? And she actually took it to her sort of uh, buying committee or like yeah, the people yeah, who the decide buyer. what yep. goes to the store without really telling me. And then a couple of months later, and this is probably sort of, I think I could probably look up the email, but this is probably sort of like a, like a good month and a half or two months later. Oh, wow, that's a lot of time has passed. You're like, ah, yeah. that, that didn't happen. Yeah, I, no, I think she told me it was good, but okay. then then sort of like just this person from her company, like from Murray's emails me and said, like, not necessarily sort of, it was just like a basic email. It was not like, good job, you know, right. kind of like, it was more just like, hey, if you make this permanently, we'll, we'll stock it. You know, like kind of like sort of really okay. obviously positive, but like sort of. Sure. And I was just like, hmm. 
So I had like kind of like so a, you got your first investor and now you have your potential for, first customer. Exactly. And, and you know, having a business background, I realized that was pretty good. But I think more importantly, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have a plan for myself, right? Sure. I didn't, I didn't have a, a career path in my current job that I sort of found appealing. So I just realized, what is my downside here, really? You know, okay. if it doesn't work, it's, it's, you know. So is that when you quit? N- no, I think like I think the the sort of, if you will, the 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 straw that broke broke the camel's back was, you know, I realized another thing that was, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs say differently, but they all agree is is that, and this might be more important for somebody with sort of like a. You know, because I don't come, I don't feel necessarily like I'm like this sort of aggressive entrepreneur in many ways. But for me, uh, I really like the product, right? And I, you know, I would eat it all the time. You know, in in the darkest moments of the business, and I'm sure you'll ask me about that later. Uh, Oh, I will. (laughs) uh, Just, you know, when you couldn't sleep, just literally opening the fridge and eating the product often made me feel infinitely better because I knew it was. It was good, right? But when I was starting the business, so basically going back to that, is that what was really sort of the catalyst, I think, at the end of the day was that I actually didn't mind failing. And that sounds like a terrible thing to say. So you didn't have the fear of failure. You were okay with it. Well, I thought the product was something that I was so happy to stand for and I could be so proud of that even if I failed, I would be okay. You know, it's, I think it's okay to fail if you're doing something that you're sort of, it's obviously not good to fail, right? right. But if you fail doing something you truly believed in and you think is awesome and it's great, just failure doesn't seem as awful. It's kind of awkward to fail if you did something like only for the money, right? right. If you do something only because you think other people think it's a great idea. You know what I'm saying? So you're clearly, you're passionate about yogurt. I'm like, this is where I'm, passion comes into play. You're passionate yeah, yeah, about abso- something. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm, I think like what I'm saying is like, I think I was like, I was happy to be associated with this concept or this right. product. You know, I think it would do good. You know, it's right. like, I think it was a sort of like a, a sort of a point of view that I was happy to endorse. And so if, if it failed and somebody would look back up on my life at some point right. and see, oh, he did that. Oh, that was actually a great right. product. You know, it wouldn't be, well, oh, that's kind of, well, why did he do that? You know, well, it like, didn't you know fail. And so, okay, first investor, first, first customer, then what happens next in your timeline where you start to move more aggressively into the business and you're starting to see some more momentum. Like, what's your next point of momentum? Next point of momentum. So, uh, I didn't quit my job right away. You know, okay. this is kind of ruminating. So, this is around Easter. So, Easter, you this make is the kind batch. Of like, yeah, this is kind of early summer, so spring summer 2005. Okay. Um, and, you know, I first of all, I need to quit my job, right? right? And I need to figure out, because I was that broke, you know, having just gone through business school, sure. you know, I, I was like, I had a lot of student loans and, and debt. I wasn't like, it was kind of tricky. Uh, uh, so I had to figure out a way to, uh, you know, raise a little bit of money. The professor came in. Uh, I sort of quit my job finally in the fall of okay. 05. Okay, it's pretty quick. 
Yeah, sort of roughly. So are you like around this time? Are you are you investigating packaging? Well, like so so that? that's that's kind of the next step is that you know the dairy plant that had made it in was like a school, right? So they were not like for kind of commercial ongoing right. use. They were more sort of like a you test. Know, test, yeah. yeah. And like obviously, like it was a school, so school had priority, right? Sure. So I had to find like a manufacturing facility. Find a co-packer. Yeah, kind of like a co-packer. But the problem was nobody was making this type of yogurt at the time, so right. there was like a lot of equipment needed. I couldn't just walk into a SPAC facility. Uh, so I find, found a small sort of dairy plant in upstate New York, actually not far from the school in Norwich, New York. And I partnered up with them to have some space there. I yeah. bought some of the equipment that was needed yeah. and sort of started making the yogurt. And I think sort of like it took us a while to sort of figure it out sure. there. But by the sort of summer of 06, so like about a year after I made that, Yep. Give or take. So you're almost like two years into this now, from start to finish. From that first test yeah, batch in the Chris, kitchen, you're almost... Christmas 04 into summer of 06. Okay. So a year and a half. And so you got your packaging? Uh, kind well, I'm of. I'm curious, when do you walk into, I'm assuming, what was your, when do you walk into Whole Foods? Uh, or are you picking up retailers? You got no, Murray's? So, so, like you're going door to door still so, delivering so, the yogurt? Yeah, so, so that was another year and a half. So, so I figure out the formulation and sure. work with the plant. And I, I sort of like set up what the What I love about that, that word is you realize as an entrepreneur in, in food, people will, always, in the beginning, they say recipe. Right. And then when they use formula, like that's when it, I, you notice that distinction it's in the vocabulary. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, in the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a recipe. And then that becomes a formula, formula. when it becomes... A bigger re- business. Yeah. Ah, like I remember, yeah. <laughs> Everything is also ounces versus, you know, a traditional recipe. It'd be like a tablespoon of this, a tablespoon of ah, that, three eggs, three you know, eggs. this. Hey. And that's all ounces or pounds. Or pounds, right, yeah. right. So Whole Foods. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a little, little bit of a lead up to that. I, I, so I started selling at a, a market called the Real Food Market. That was my first outlet and sort of literally the same week I started selling in the two Murray's location. Do you have a distributor yet or are you no, going your... No, it's okay. all by hand. Got it. I, I negotiated with like a, 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 a trucking company that was trucking from the area and they would truck the product down for me and literally deliver it to my apartment where I had like two big fridges <laughs> uh, and I would take it from the, the fridge to the market on Saturday mornings, sell it and then you know, Murray's usually took whatever was left. No, are you doing lots of demos yourself too in these days? No, we had sold little product okay. and it usually just sold out. We were only able to make about, I forget exactly how many, but we were only able to make about 15 cases wow. or something like that, 15, 20 cases a week. Okay. It was very little. We had like very little capacity. It's amazing you're selling out though. You know, if you think about it, like it, it's yeah, pretty it was, good. Most pro- most new products don't do that. Yeah, so we sold we sold at the market on Saturdays, and that usually, and then we sold in the two Murray store, and then gradually over time we added one more store in Brooklyn, Stinky's Cheese. So they were my first customer outside of Manhattan. So that sort of happened over, the, and, and I was delivering it all by hand. I would just like uh, take the subway and, and <laughs> you know, crazy like with with. I don't know how you did that in the summer, but that's okay. Well, I had a cooler, you know, okay. sometimes I had a cooler, but usually it was like, you know, this was the summer into the fall. Uh, and I just like took the yogurt uh, there and then sort of gradually, you know, 
during that time, I was also raising money to increase the capacity. So friends, family? Friends and family, just, okay. you know, uh, some friends of mine, some friends with the professor. So you're raising money, making the product, and you're the distributor. Yeah. Taking, you're, do, you're literally doing yeah. everything. I, I, I had help in making the product. I, I wasn't there all the time. No, but, but still, it's, yeah. it's, you know, you're the quality control. and Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was a, it, was a, it was a, it was a one-man show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so I raised the money. Uh, we start gradually expanding the capacity as sort of the improvements or the, yep. the stuff gets. How many the SKUs point. do you have? Just one SKU? Just uh, we had four or five. Four SKUs. Do you remember the first? So I'm assuming plain. Plain blueberry, orange ginger. Okay. Those were the first three that are still around. Then orange we had a, ginger is pr pretty sophisticated early skew. Yeah. Well, I had also this thought that, and that, that I hadn't learned, and that's a lesson for all entrepreneurs, is that my product was unique enough, but I had also this idea that I wanted to have like a good mix of like traditional skews and, sure, you have and to. something interesting. Yep. But, you know, people really just like sort of blueberry, strawberry, sure. vanilla, right? So I made like the, the orange ginger and a pear mint skew that I stopped doing pretty early. So those were the first four. And then we had a pomegranate and passion fruit too. Okay. Uh, that actually recently passed away. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that we recently discontinued because it was like moving a lot. So, so you're picking up stores. So I'm yeah. curious, like when does Whole Foods come into the picture? And when do you go to like your first trade show? So we've been selling at the market and in a couple of stores. And we sort of gradually expanded. We got into Dean and DeLuca. Big one, yeah. Eli's, yep. you know, Sapers. You get all the New York institutions. Yeah, yeah, sort of the traditional stores. And during the summer, and this is the summer of 07, so probably around a year after I launched, I, I donated some yogurt uh, to uh, this sort of kind of retreat that a friend of mine was hosting. Okay. It was like on Long Island, but it was not quite like Hamptons. It was like in a barn. Okay. So it was like a kind of like a Burning Man meets the Hamptons. Sort okay. Of, a lot of artists and journalists and sort of like. Sounds like a fun event. Creative people, yep. right? And I, a friend of mine was hosting it. He and his brother owned this barn and uh, like really beautiful space. Uh, and I gave them a bunch of yogurt, right? And uh, they invited me to join, and I was there for the weekend. And there was like one person there that was from Whole Foods. <laughs> and not Whole Foods in New York, but Whole Foods nationally. Who was it? Her name was Jessica. Okay. Uh, she, she had nothing to do with like... Uh, wasn't a buyer? No, no, she was not... Wasn't like... She was not... Like no, Harry no. Abenante or Yeah, well, she was... Well, here's the, here's the, here's the <laughs> sto full story. So she was actually friends with Perry. Yep. And then uh, a, a couple of weeks later... So after Perry was the, for everyone. Perry used to be the global grocery buyer. Yeah. Who was like, snap of a finger, he could put you in every product, every, every shelf. Yeah, well, and it was him and Errol. Yeah. Errol, Errol, and then Errol sort of, was there, and then Errol left. But, well, just now, but Errol yeah. wound up becoming the main guy after right. after after Perry. Uh, so, but anyway, so, so she was helping at Whole Foods in the barn. Who's a fan? Yeah, so so <laughs> so basically, she is helping. I think it was Perry move a couple of weeks later, and is raving about this yogurt she ate. And and then a couple of weeks after that, he they actually call me. Uh, and say, hey, we heard about this yogurt. Do you want to come and present to us? So I. So you go to Austin. Yeah, but that was kind of like I was a bit naive about the industry then. I didn't know any. Uh, so you walk in there with a broker or anything? No, or nothing. You just walk in no. solo. I had had a friend who was had become my investor, who who sort of was a food industry guy who okay. was giving me guidance. But at the same time, like I still didn't realize how big a break that That's was. Huge. I yeah. was sort of naive. Or it could kill you too. Yeah, and it almost did. 
but uh, like you know, I walk in there with my backpack, sort of thinking like, okay, you know, I'm putting my best foot forward here. Right. But I'm really only in 15 stores at that point in time. You wow. Know, making like you know less than 100 cases a week. You know. Uh, and they basically say, hey, you know, this is great, love the concept, you know, love the low, low sugar, yeah. you know, like love the dense. Grass-fed too. Yeah, love the grass-fed gr- dairy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, what you call you it. You were early on that. Yeah, we were one of the first. I mean, there's a lot of people that have moved, taken that further now. Sure, but still, yeah. it's in your DNA. Yeah. Um, so how many, so, so what do they say we want to do? How many, how many regions? Well, they want to do all of them. So all eleven regions, I think, are nine. Or yeah, they they want to do the, the the all of them, and I say like you know I come back and say hey we want to do we want to do half. So what made you say that? A lot of people will jump like all, all, all a lot of people will jump at that, but why would it scare well, you? No, I just kind of was trying to be reasonable, you know. Okay. Like, but I probably I can't have, handle the production. Yeah, well, I I I. Uh, we were on path to expand, right? We were on path but, to but expand. But 15, 15 locations, even if you do half the regions, what is that like back then? 150 locations? 150 stores? Yeah, something like that. And then that's every warehouse? Well, UNFI. and then obviously you go into UNFI and they right. may put you in a bunch of other places. Right, and UNFI for the largest natural distributor. Yeah. They're, they're basically a monopoly. No, I wouldn't they say used that. to be. Yeah, they, there's, a, there's a competition. Like Kahi is pretty big too. And back then, though. And, and uh, there used to be Nature's Best on the West yeah. Coast. Who so. bought them? Kehi or Tree of Life? Yeah, no, Kehi, Tree and Life, and Nature's Best are all well, the same company. Got they're it. They used to be, yeah. yeah. Got it. So UNFI, so this would put you in UNFI. Basically, you're on, you've got distribution nationally now. Yeah, well, half the country, half the country. So I basically lunched with them in January of 08. Okay. So you're uh, almost like you're th- three years into this because you're Christmas 04, January of 08. Yes. A little over three years. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Well, people don't realize it's like three years is a long time. You're, you're bootstrapping, you're delivering like the yogurt a, yourself. I'm sh- like a gestation period. I'm assuming of you're not really paying your much, paying yourself much no, money, if anything. No, maybe a little. I, I forgot when I started, but like the first year was pretty much zero. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, so they're going to put you in half the stores in the country. Half the stores in the country. And that's how we started. And so, and that's kind of also the other thing that was important. That's when we launched this cup. Before that, it was just like a sticker on that. Oh, really? On a plastic cup. Yeah. Okay. So this happens in January. When do you go in half the stores? And what January do you have to, And yeah. so what do you do next? Like you're like, shit. I need infrastructure. I need yeah, salespeople. Well, it, it, I need it brokers. Kind of start, it started to happen then, and then, but then we had sort of a hiccup because, you know, we start producing, and then the volume just starts getting more and more and more as people start picking it up, and we couldn't handle it. So like in the spring of 08, we realized that, you know, we we're going to have like major issues. Uh, and we were starting to have issues. So what we had to do is we really literally had to close the plant down to so issues fulfilling orders. Yeah. Got it. So we literally, you know, had to close the plant down because we couldn't cool the product down fast enough. So like you, when you make yogurt, it was, it, it's hot and then you have to cool it down really fast for it to get like the right texture and the quality and everything. And we literally couldn't cool it down fast enough. So we had to like just to totally rewrap the plant. And we had to go off shelf for about three, four months, Ooh, which was horrible. You right. Know, nearly went bankrupt. You, well, I was going to say, how did you survive that? was the worst that? time of my life ever. And you call Whole Foods and all, every, every buyer is like, where's the product? And yeah, like, pretty much. Hey, guys. And they were great. I mean, they, that's like, they, they're, they're fantastic to work in that way. And sure. that's kind of like, you know, why 
you know, they have a lot of these sort of more interesting products. They, yeah. they were very helpful at that time yeah. and sort of impatient. And, and I dealt a lot with Errol at the time, who was, who was, who was great. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you have to rebuild the plant. Yeah. And I had to raise money again. again. So I had to go back to my investor and say, like, listen, so guys. How, could you share how much did you raise and how much you have to raise again? Uh, I mean, it was like, you know, it was, it doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but at the time, it, it, you know, it was in the hundreds of thousands. That's not a lot. Yeah. For what you do, for, that, that's not a, like, yeah. those people did very well by their investment, I will say that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but hopefully, I, I, want, I want everybody to do well that, that's been a partner, you know? Sure. Uh, so you have to raise, you have to go back to your investors and say, hey guys, yeah. we can't keep up. So is everyone excited or are people pissed or? Yeah, sort of mixed feelings. Or they're a little bit like, well, you know, just like what's just... going on? No, but I think like, you know, we had like some sales numbers. You have a early great product, indi- right. Early indication that the numbers were good. So there, there's a sort of indication that this will work. So you, you know? got to rebuild the plant. Yeah. Start producing again. Correct. And then when do you? So we kind of got back on track in the fall of 08. I think first week of October when we started shipping again. So it was like almost three and a half months we were off wow. shelf. Very dark, oh, dark yeah. summer. And sort of gradually get back to this, this sure. sort of get the distribution. It took a while okay. to get all the distribution back. But sort of by the spring, I want to say by the spring of uh, 09, we're sort of... You're going again. Yeah. So, so how many, so we finish 08, how many, how many doors are you in? You think? I don't know, maybe like three, four hundred. Because oh, like wow. once you're in UNFI, you start getting pushed out to all the independents. And yeah, and I had a, at the time had a guys. distributor in. Um, before I started in Whole Foods, I had a distributor called McMahon's as well. Sure, in, in McMahon's Farm. He's still yeah, here. Tom. Yeah, 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 Tom is still around. Is he still driving? He... I, I doubt he does it himself. Yeah. No, no. But he was my actual first distributor. He's a great guy. He is a great guy. Um, but anyway, so like that. He's that, one of the old. There are many dairy guys who are independent. Well, there's like a handful of them. He's one yeah, of them. in New York, there's right. quite a few. There's like New York City has a the tri-state area. There's a bunch of like sort of independent, smaller guys. So you're like three or four hundred doors. Can you share? Like, do you remember like ballpark revenue back then? No, I, like uh, it was it was in the it was like like oh nine was I don't even know if we did a hundred thousand. Yeah, we probably did a hundred thousand. Okay, so then. 09, you start to push out gradually. Yeah, 09, 09, we went to the West Coast with Whole Foods, like in the, Got in the sort of That's second big... half of the year. So in this process, so you're sl- this is what I love about your story. This is like a slow build. So you're like four years into this. Four, yeah. You're, you're just building. You're building the brand. You're you're getting manufacturing. And messing up a little bit. So what, what are you messing up? <laughs> no, just that, like the, the, well, the plan. Well, there's trial and error. Yeah. And I think a lot of things in the food industry are counterintuitive to how other industries right. work. You know, right. Broker system, distribution, yeah. heating, like all that stuff. So you're building momentum. So when do you get in, you know, when in this process, you're working your ass off, when in this process do you say like, okay, I feel like we've really got something. Like when you really start to feel the momentum, like when, what, it, what, it was, what was that to you? Was it, it was tricky because at the same time, like you, if you put it in a context, at the same time, there's like the Greek yogurt was kind of going gangbusters. Sure. Uh, and we were growing a lot slower, even when we were doing well. And I think the reason behind that is like they kind of were getting traction on a product that was like also thick, also high in protein, also sort of offering that creamy texture for the first yeah. time. But they did it in a format that was more traditionally American, you know, kind of fruit right. on the bottom or more sugar. 
I was offering something that was like kind of like, you know, I don't know if you want to call it like one step beyond. I was sort of like... Sure. So people weren't ready for that yet? I don't know. It just... And also like when you think about it, if you eat something that's like not very sweet and then you have something that's sweet, you sort of immediately gravitate sort of the sweetness sure. because the flavor kind of pops a lot more. So is that frustrating to you as an entrepreneur? It's like you're uh, working your ass off and then these... These other guys, like it's a little bit, but at the same time, like I was like such a firm believer in the concept, you know. Uh, I knew this was the sort of long term right thing to do, sure. uh, and also every time somebody converted, they usually sort of kind of so wanted to switch for good. And, and so, what in the process do you start to like see reap the benefits of the long term strategy? Where like products great, we're sticking to the low sugar. You know, we've got grass fed dairy. Like, where where do you start to see the tide turn a bit? Where you know whether it's a metric like revenue or a huge it's probably account like or, sort of well, it's so probably oh thirteen oh fourteen. Wow, so this is like almost eight eight nine years into this. Yeah, and so what happens then? In that process, are there moments? Well, there's a bunch of things. You know, we we went to uh, we moved to a sort of bigger, more professional plant, so our okay. quality was more so consistent. What number of plant is this now? Two or three? That we have? Yeah, or we're making it actually at like four plants now. So, how many have you gone through in the process? You started at you started in the the little test kitchen at the school, and then you go to this other plant. Yeah, you've had and then like, I moved to a plant in upstate New York in yep. the Finkel Lakes area. And that's still our biggest source of wow. everything now. It's like about you know, 40, 50% of our volume. Wow. But then we have like three other ones in Wisconsin and Minnesota too. So is that for distribution purposes? No, or it's just for it. capacity. So you've got three different plants. Four actually. Four different plants. Uh, or like, yeah, three for the most wow. part. Wow, yeah. that's gonna be a fun process, finding a new plant. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, um, what you call it, it's like, um, uh, you know, yeah, 013, 014 is where sort of things started to turn around. And so in that, within this time frame, are there moments where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work or this is driving yeah. me nuts or like, you know, that I call it like the dark night of the soul yeah. as an entrepreneur. Like, can you share something where just, you were just like, oh man. No, I mean, like obviously the this product part, is great. I believe in it. But <laughs> the, the hardest one was obviously like 08. That was like by far the hardest time in the business when we didn't have product. I had to raise money to rebuild the 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 plant. We had like, you know, everybody's upset. You know, like people want the product on shell. I'm not providing it. Uh, you know, we were making numerous trials and it was not necessarily working out fully. And, you know, it's like very demoralizing, you know. Sure. Um, so that was like definitely the darkest night of the solo you will. Do you ever think about giving up? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> but it, it was not really an option for me. Like I just sort of like think that, you know, like I was going to do everything I could. You know, I, w- I would never have wanted to walk away from something like that knowing that I could have done something to make it work and not having done that thing, you know. So, you know, I, I kind of drove it forward, you know. And so in 2013, how many SKUs, how many stores, revenue? Like, I'm just curious, like, I wanted the, the yeah, arc so that, of the business. Back then, we were doing really well in sort of what you would call the natural foods channel. We sure. were doing well in Whole Foods. We were doing well in that part of the world. And then sort of overall, what really started to happen, which has been sort of the boon, is that the world started thinking a lot more about sugar. And people, and, and it's even growing momentum even to this day, is that people realize like, okay, fat is not necessarily the, my food enemy number one. There's really a lot of sugar and stuff. And it becomes sort of a bigger part of the public 
conversation, you know. And we had done a lot of stuff on our end just to improve our business. You know, I'd hired a lot of great people, like fantastic people that had CPG experience who could so say, how do out. you hire? Like, what's the, what, what do you look for? Well, I think you look for people who, you know, uh, compliment you, who don't necessarily, you don't have to hire a carbon copy of yourself. You sure. have to hire people who have a different skill set, you know, uh, and, you know, are, are in some sense smarter than you, ideally. Are you there know? any, like, questions you love to ask? Uh, you, you always ask or things you look for, like qualities of people? Well, I think often, like, in that world, you kind of see if people have certain skills and then you just have to see if there's a good fit. So it's almost more just like a conversation. Sure. You know? Well, beyond the skills, like, what are things, like, you think people need to work for? To, to succeed at Siggy's, like, what are, what are some of those qualities as an individual you need? Well, it's different today uh, than it is, like, back, you know, like, we have 40 people now, you know. Sure. It's, like, more of a business you know sure. and it's different to hire for a company that's you know three people and, and one of them oh, is sitting absolutely. on a carpet box so like the people that are sort of like a great fit then might not be a great fit sure, now and vice Always versa happens. you yeah. know and it'll happen again yeah when you're and, 100 people yeah and there's like people who have like a higher tolerance for uncertainty that you know what i'm saying so so there's no one right answer what is the right fit but you kind of sort of see it like that you know, I think, especially sort of when you're on the cusp, I think the ideal person is often somebody who has, you know, and those people are rare, that have both the experience of sort of the bigger companies, but have maybe done one or two of these sort of smaller startups. Go high or low. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of like the dream because they kind of know how to make things a little bit structured and sort of implement process, but still be loose. But still are familiar with chaos you know and uncertainty sure you know? so 2013 2014 and and to today you know so how many door how many store like get a sense of like stores employees revenue and then today like so, so you've so, got like so much time has passed so now we're in about twenty five thousand stores wow uh all over the country a big chunk so, came when we went into starbucks that's about seven thousand doors so starbucks yeah. target Whole Foods, Whole Foods, Publix, Publix, Kroger, Kroger, Ahold, which is Stop and Shop sure. and Giant, uh, Safeway, Albertson. Wow. Uh, so, all the sort of major ones. And so, how many were you in 2013? If you're in 25,000 a day, like half of that? No, 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 no much less. Oh, much wow. Less. Maybe like 6,000 or something like that. Wow. So, you basically quadrupled. Yeah. In like four years. Yeah. What's much. so interesting too yeah. is we're still going back, go back to the timeline, 2004. Right. So 13 years. Oh, don't say it. No, well, <laughs> I, feel I, old. I, 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 I think it's important to point out because you have a great brand and a great product, right. and that doesn't. That usually does not happen overnight. No, I mean, we most people think we've been around a lot shorter than we actually have. You know, well, I feel like you've just blown up. In, the, in a good way in the past couple of years, you know, I think, you know, you're right well, about sugar, grass-fed, clean flavors, right. like you sort of got everything, fat's not the enemy, you kind of got everything going for you, and the right. product's phenomenal. Um, so what's next? Like, you're in 25,000 doors, like, where do you go from here? Like, uh, in terms of the business, excuse locations, you're naming all the retailers, I'm trying to think in my head, like, who, where is he not? 
Right. Well, I think what we want to do is we want to like just expand the the variety and the product. And even and that's the interesting part is that even with our growth, we're still what you call in the retail world sort of under skewed, which means that we're not you know, based on our turns and velocities, because sure. once you have that momentum, you sell more based on yeah. your data. Uh, we're not everywhere where we should be, you know. So, uh, so we still have a lot of work ahead of us just to put more Some product. More SKUs. Yeah. Are you still, so how many SKUs today? Uh, like 35, and so 36. In the next year, how many you want to have? Well, I don't know if we necessarily need to expand because like... Or rotate. Yeah, no, we just have to put more of what we already have into more doors. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so we do you ever think it's a really powerful brand? Like if, I, if I'm looking at the packaging, the tag, tagline, simple ingredients, not a lot of sugar, I'm also looking at this. I'm like, hmm, he could extend beyond yogurt if he wants to. Yeah, but do I'm... Do you ever a, think about that? Yeah, or are you yeah. just going to say, I'm but just I'm a yogurt? Big, I'm a big believer in focus and do what you do well, you know? And like I said, we still have so much opportunity with this that we want to stick with that. So, you know, we don't, I mean, yeah, we've, we've been doing the drinkable yogurt, which is kind of on expansion, but I think we'll stick with the, the yogurt for a while. So where do you want to be in five years? More stores, <laughs> <laughs> more products and more doors. Global? Yeah, I mean, we get That's a lot of, do. there's a lot of interest in the in the product sort of uh, internationally. Yeah. We get a lot of requests from all over the world. But, you know, dairy is tricky to go overseas. Sure, you have you to start kind of, producing over there. You have to produce over there. And I want to do it at some point. But again, like, we still have so much white space in America that I don't necessarily think we want to focus on that right now. Sure. It's because, you know, like, you, you know, it's much easier to supply more skew to the same store than it is to open up a sure. totally new country, sure. you know. So um, being an entrepreneur, what's some of the best and worst advice you've ever received? I think the best sort of advice, and I kind of heard it from multiple directions in a, in a sort of similar way, and that that's kind of connects to the our failures in 2008, was that, you know, you kind of have to plan for success, right? You kind of have to be prepared to sort of I guess intellectually and mentally that things could not go the way you want them to go, but you have to plan the infrastructure of your business in a way that assumes that you will achieve your volume. And if you do that, you sort of, uh, you know, you wouldn't have the problems that growth could kill you, you know, you know like, right. so you have to sort of plan, know what your steps in the success are, you know. Sure. So I think that's kind of one of the, the, the best. In terms of burst, I, I don't really... I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I've gotten, you know, it's kind of, you get a lot of advice from sure. a lot of directions when you're in this this uh, business and you tend to, ideally if it's bad, you tend to forget it. <laughs> right. That's a good point. So do you have any advice for anyone out there aspiring food entrepreneurs? You know, my advice is probably very colored by my experience. It know? always is. Uh, and, <laughs> you know... I think the you know there's like a lot because there's so much happening in that space and people are driving at things so fast, but I think you know like building a real brand I guess takes time. You know don't sort of get caught up necessarily. It's hard to not get caught up in the hype or, sure. or sort of and just have a firm point of view and kind of stick to it. It's it's sure. tricky. You know it's like tough. Um, 
And, you know, what if you're wrong? Then you're kind of stuck to something that's wrong. But I, I guess sort of, I don't know, be patient. It takes time, you know, sure. build the infrastructure, hire good people, you know, overinvest. Oh, the good, I think a good one is like hire people. I think that's kind of combines the both advice is that hire people sort of roughly six months before you need them. Oh, interesting. You know, so like if you think you're going to need like a, like a really big logistics guy or a really big Hire him sooner rather guy. than later. Yeah, because even the smartest person and the best person in the world, it takes them a while to get acclimated sure. and, and sort of assimilated. And, and by the time you really need them, they'll be ready. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? By the time they're really sort of, uh, they'll come into their own. Sure. And also it takes often longer, especially with more senior people, it takes a little bit longer to right. hire them. You know, you may have to negotiate with them and you, you know, so, so sure. because if you hire them once you desperately need them, you might hire, have to jump too fast sure. on somebody who's not the right fit. So. so what do you love and hate about the natural food business? That's a good question. I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, the energy is fun. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of good people. It's, uh, you know, it's like very dynamic. Expo West is coming up, which is sort yep, of the big go? trade show. Yeah, yeah, we always I'll be there. Yeah. I'll say hello. We, we have a booth and it's fun. It's like good energy and... A lot of great mission-driven people. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, very innovative and... Yep. Um, you know, it's obviously evolved a lot, it's, you know. Sure, it's... Uh, I've heard from people like Gary Hirschberg that, you know, when he was starting there, it was totally different Couple. than when I was starting. And sure. it's, totally different even when I was right. starting than it is now. It's a lot more, you know, it's more business-minded sure. uh, and it gets more business-minded every day. A lot day. of suits. Yeah, there's more, more, there's, more <laughs> there's more interest in that space from a financial standpoint yes. than there was, I think. Um, and what are things you, you'd change about the business? I hate's a strong word. What are things you'd change? I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's, it's like a... It's a, it's kind of like say like it's a complex ecosystem. Well, let me ask you, know? you this: There's if no. You, if you were at the top no, of the, if you were at the top of the food chain, and you could you could change a couple of things, you could you could wave your magic wand and change a couple of things in the industry. What would you change? Could be even take Expo to a different city where there's more space. Ah. It could be anything. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's outgrown Anaheim. But you think so? Or well, it's in so many different big, pavilions. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, why don't you just take it to Vegas and do some giant thing or a stadium? Know, it's so big. I, if I would wave anything, I would say, like, don't take it to Vegas. Well, you know what I mean. Take it somewhere. <laughs> no, it feels I mean, like it's outgrown. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, I think it has its charm to be, you know. Well, would you change anything in the industry if you could? <sighs> think about it. Yeah, I'll think about we it. We can come back to that one. So you mentioned Gary Hirschberg, you know, Stonyfield, Icon, and Natural Food. For you, have there been any mentors in the space along along the way? People you've gone to or advice, really respected? Uh, I mean, I guess there have been, but I, I think it's more like there were more... I had like, early on, I had a couple of people who were on my board who were, who were sort of from the food industry. Uh, but I think like sort of overall, I've sought advice from like many, many different people as opposed to having like one person I go to and I try to soak it in. 
I think it's also helpful when you're in a certain industry to get out advice from people who are outside, outside right. you know, uh, because if you're getting advice from the same people, you know, maybe everybody's saying the same thing, saying the same thing, because it's kind of like a, you know, a bubble. Right. Yeah. So something becomes sort of like a, you know, a, yeah, self-perpetuating truth, right? Yeah. You know, getting outside feedback is good, you know, talking to people who are like just entrepreneurs in a wildly different industry, you know, it's, it's, it's good. So if you could go back in time 10 years and give yourself advice, what would that advice be? Um, well, I think it goes back to like, yet again, to that sort of, uh, when I made my big mistakes in 08, it's like, um, you know, don't be too timid. You know, I think if I made a mistake, like connected, I wasn't prepared for the business to grow at that point in time because I was sort of like a little bit sort of, you know, maybe it's okay to be sort of small, kind of not small, but it, like I was kind of guarding against building something too big and then sure. it failing and me well, being it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. So I think it's sort of like, don't be timid and just kind of assume things will work and, and create, you know, like an aggressive plan that kind of is sort of based on that success, right? And have all the check marks in place and say like, okay, I know what I'm going to do when this happens and, and then just do it. And this has to be ready when this happens, then do it. You know, that's, It's hard too because you only know what you don't, you know what you don't know. Right. You know what you know, but you don't know well, what you the don't good know. Thing, the good thing, <laughs> you know, this is not necessarily what I would change about the industry, but the good thing for people who are starting now is that there's, I wouldn't say there's a template for starting a business, but there are so many people who now have, you know, sure. this natural food industry has been going on for like, you know, probably if you sort of in a form sure. of like 80s, 90s. So there's a lot of people who've been successful doing it that you can sort of tap into. Tap into. And, you know, there's always going to be new mistakes, but there's so many people you can learn from now that you can sort of hear, okay, at this point in your evolution, like what happened sure. and what do you need? And obviously the industry changes. So what was needed 10 years ago might not be needed now. And, you know, there's a lot of institutional knowledge that you can sort of sure. tap into. You know? So how do you find balance? I'm assuming you work a lot, you travel yeah. a ton. How do you take care of yourself, find balance? Well, the last sort of year or two has been great. You know, like I've finally sort of, you know, I'm still working a lot, but it's a lot easier. I have like some very, very smart people in the business with me who've been great partners or like senior people who who are great and that has helped me have just sort of like a sort of somewhat of a normal life again you know <laughs> after about you know but it took about 10 years so what was give me give me an idea of what that looked like how many hours then I how many know. hours I mean, what, I, what is normal I, I mean obviously it's just when you have a business like this even if you're not working you're thinking about it all, sure. all the time so yeah, for me there's almost no difference I'm on my phone whether I'm on vacation or not. Right? Sure, I know what that feels like. You know, what I do to relax, I mean, basketball is a big thing for right. me. You know, I think... You you a, couple spoke, a couple of days a week, you said. Yeah, I tried to, like, when the, that was like a lifesaver when the business was at, at its sort of peak stressfulness, uh, you know, to get on the court and play, you know. It's good to run and exercise, but if you're doing it by yourself, yeah. you keep thinking about the business. You're like on a treadmill running or something, or you go out biking and you're still thinking about the business. But the good thing about basketball for me was that uh, that I could just play ball and you have to think about the game. Otherwise, it would be just two hours of... So what position do you play? 
I'm usually I, I I'm forced to play center because I'm okay. tall. So. Any? Do you have a favorite team? Oh no, question. Hands down, the Spurs. Really, Spurs fan? Yeah, of course. So what? What? Why the Spurs? Just I just love the their sort of ease with the game, passing game, the movement. So you're you a Popovich know. fan? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. I'm a Knicks fan, so uh, it's just, I, I've been. I feel like an abused child. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been a Knicks fan for I'm 42. Well, like, they beat the Spurs uh, like a week or two ago, just before the All Star yeah, game. Yeah, but we, we know who's going to win <laughs> in the long term. The Spurs are just in such better shape. Even yeah, no, they are. They're in grain. No, and I also love them. They also like often discover these guys that other people overlook. Oh yeah, you know, like Tony Cup- Parker, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, a lot of people overlook those guys. Yeah, like Duncan, no one overlooks, but right. everyone else. Yeah. Great Ginobili. So it's, it's like they're, they're fun to watch. Uh, they are fun to watch. So so basketball, anything else? Well, I, I like to read. So Any good books? Read. Just like fiction, non-fiction, just okay. anything. Any bo- uh, last question. Any books have like a real impact on you as an entrepreneur or mm. just shaping you as a person? A lot of people, a lot of readers. Uh, I think some of the books that were really great were like tech books. From the nineties. Oh, really? Uh, uh, called a very famous book called "Crossing the Chasm." Sure, I read that. That's yeah. Clayton Christensen, right? I think, uh, or my, or more, or is Jeff? I forget who it is. I, but I know the book. Yeah, where he basically just talks about like how things cross over from being niche to mainstream, which I think is kind of relevant for a product like this. You've know. definitely crossed over. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> we'll see. Well, thank you so much for being here. We love Siggy's. I'm a big fan of Love What You Built and a great story. I'm sure there's a lot of people uh, really inspired after listening to this. I hope so. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.